The Stages podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands on which our artists and audiences meet. We pay our respect to past, present and emerging elders. We acknowledge the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives... Then the next block further down there was the Royal, then the Prince Edward was right opposite the Royal, then the Savoy. And we used to get fined if you were late for the half hour and fined for misbehaving on stage. Just for God's sake, do it better. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you can say. But when you've gone through that, you do get a lot of ego. And you go out there knowing that the one thing that's different every time is that audience. I didn't wake up until... I was in emergency. I was around the uh, world of actors as a child. Crawfords were needing a casting assistant. No business plan, no concept, no training. It's not something you could do now. Went to school on Friday, got on the bus on Saturday, auditioned for the show. They said, you've got the role. I never went back to school again. (laughs) Thank you. I've enjoyed being here talking about my favourite subject. Ego in check, me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a date. (laughs) It's a date. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and welcome to Stages. Welcome back to Stages if you're joining us for another time. Of course, it's the podcast that talks to creatives about their craft and career. And I'm delighted that in today's episode, we feature entertainment icon and trailblazer, Carlotta. Carlotta is an Australian cabaret performer and television celebrity. She began her career as an original member of the long-running Les Girls cabaret show, performed entirely by heavily costumed males, which started in 1963 in purpose-built Les Girls building, which stood on a prominent corner in the heart of Sydney's King's Cross. Carlotta rose through the ranks of the show to eventually become the show's compere and its most famous member. Lay Girls and Carlotta soon became a must-see attraction for visitors to Sydney, and the show was popular with visiting international celebrities. Since then, she has become an iconic part of the Australian queer and mainstream landscapes, appearing in a host of stage triumphs and as a popular personality on television. Carlotta returns to the stage in Trevor Ashley's Christmas panto, Moulin Scrooge. The annual entertainment is a much-anticipated indulgence on Sydney's theatrical calendar. This theatre foray follows a triumphant turn for Carlotta earlier in the year, performing in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, at the Star on the Gold Coast. We cannot wait to have her back on the boards in Sydney. Like Dolly Levi returning to Harmonia Gardens... It's so great to have you back where you belong. Carol, how lovely to see you. Lovely to see you. Um, and you're uh, in a dressing room. We're, we're doing this in a dress, in your dressing yes, room at Moulin Scrooge. Yeah, mind you, it's a lot better dressing rooms than what we used to have at Lake Girls. Well, I'm going to say, <laughs> you, you've spent a lot of time in dressing rooms, haven't you? I have, darling. RSLs, Leagues Clubs, Opera House, you name it. And some of them were really dressing Tents. rooms, were they? Tents. Yeah. yeah. Caravans. Cool. And now you've got a whole dressing room to yourself. Yeah, so I'm sharing it with a dressmaker but uh, who fixes all the costumes occasionally, but it's great. Yeah, yeah. All the boys are in next door. 
How do you like to um, to set up your dressing room or, or your space when you're working? Well, I'm a Virgo, darling. I've got to have everything organised. As you can see, look, all my costumes are hanging in a neat row and my bench is a lot neater than a lot of other people's are. Right. You, you don't bring photographs in or anything like that? No, I don't do any of that anymore. I used to do that years ago. We'd have, I like I had photographs all over uh, lay girls in the dressing room. That's where that famous photograph came from that Ellis did. In the 60s, uh, Carla's a piss pot in the stars. Simone Troy wrote that on the mirror, the Greek. <laughs> she signed it, the Greek. God bless her. God rest her soul. I miss her terribly. Oh, a, a legendary talent. Now, darling, her timing was wonderful. Mm, mm, mm. She was, you know, she is a bit of a prodigy on the mic. She's a, and this is what I admire about Trevor. I, I admire really good talent. You know, I got good praises for this show, which I was very, very honoured about because I was a bit nervous doing musicals. I got good praise for doing Cheryl in... Um, Priscilla. Priscilla. At the start, really. But this year. one, um, I... It, what's ironic about this one is, and it's such... Why I'm loving it so much is, I am playing a nightclub gangster mole who owns a nightclub. <laughs> so I'm more or less getting back and all those arseholes I worked for years ago. Have you known a few, have you? I have, my, <laughs> believe you me, I have. Fantastic. I could, I could write a third book on that. Gangsters I have known. Yes, yes, that's right. Thank God they're dead now. I can talk about them. <laughs> now, your dressing room at, at Lay Girls, tell me about that. Yeah, that was obviously uh, a tiny, but a, the, a shared the, the, space. The, the thing about it was uh, the atmosphere was just unbelievable. You know, you can't repeat that anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's like King's Cross. When I first went overseas in the 80s, all people talked about overseas was in America and Europe and that. I can't wait to see that King's Cross. Mm. You know, go over there now. They wouldn't even know what King's Cross was no. because they we have a, a we have a terrible habit, especially in Sydney, of letting our nostalgia go. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of history there. Oh, it was such a vibrant bohemian scene, wasn't it? Well, it was. It was like the mini Las Vegas of mm. Australia. Mm. It had its lease size, but not like it is today. It was cl cleaner, and the nightclubs and the strip clubs were fantastic. Yeah. You know, that strip just lit up, yeah. you know, for nearly, at, oh, till six o'clock in the morning. It certainly was a mini Vegas, wasn't it? All those neon lights. Oh, it on. was. Yeah, the personalities yeah, and Yeah, you'd see the leftover people at three, at five <laughs> o'clock in the morning at the Hasty Tasty, that famous hamburger joint. Yeah. We didn't have those Lebanese um, kebabs in those days. <laughs> But the bourbon and beefsteak, of course, an iconic venue. Oh, and, you know, that was a sacrilege what they did to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, they should have kept the bottom and built around it. Yeah. Because that was a tourist mecca. Yeah. You go there any any time of the day or night and run into somebody you know. That's right. Yeah. Or not know. No, that's right. And you'd soon know them. That's right. <laughs> yep. It so, was fun. Carlotta is, is your professional name. Uh, where did that come from? Uh... Lee Gordon named me Carlotta. Lee Gordon was a big promoter who actually started the drag queen shows off in Australia. Right. Because he started off with six of us. He's an American fellow? Yeah, yes. And he was... Um, um, I think Lee was born in America, but he was lived here. He's the first one to bring out 
Trudy Garland and all those yeah. Betty Hutton he bought out at the old stadium down at Rushcutters Bay. They take the ropes down. It was the first round, and that's where they performed. Wow! Because we didn't have those big those big uh, entertainment. Well, we're not the big picture theatres. Were picture theatres mm. then? Mm. They didn't put shows on in there. Mm. We had Her Majesty's Theatre, but he put a lot of them on in that round. You know that he invented the round. Yeah. Thing. Well, he came back with an idea from Paris. They saw the carousel in uh, uh, Paris and uh, he said, I'm going to open up a show. And he said, I was doing something to the Latin Cross thing. I was, I was 16, 17. I mean, when I first started, like, girls had to sneak me up the back stairs, do the show, and then I'd have to piss off home. Right. Because I wasn't allowed in the room with the alcohol. Right. Licensing laws. Yes. Yeah. So I, uh, he, he's the one that called me Carlotta. And, and, then, and, I, and then I saw the Betty Davis movie years ago when she played uh, Maximilian's wife, Empress of uh, Mexico, and she went mad in a mad <laughs> I thought, oh, that's typical. When I think back of it now, that's me. God, mad. If I'd have stayed at Lay Girls much longer, I'd end up in an asylum. But, but, you know, Carlotta, I'm, you have now become an Australian icon. I mean, as much as Don Bradman, Kylie Minogue. I've never been into self-adulation like that. I did what... I Look, the other night I was... Look, I hadn't been back to Sydney for a while. And I was out at the Oxford Hotel and these older queens, a bit younger than me, came up and they said, Oh, Carlotta, if it wasn't for you... But that's a load of shit. It was only because I was out there in the public. Right. And I was known. And I fought for it. You know, yeah. I'd say my piece. Mm -hmm. Especially when I was doing Beauty and the Beast and that in those days. And, of course, I did fight the cops years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, and I did fight that the kids got better money. Yeah. Uh, but you, did, you had to do that. Mm. You know, I had to do that. But I, I really... Look, I was so honoured when I got it, and I am, but I, I said when I got it, there are a lot of other people that deserve this as much as I do because they don't get the recognition because they're not known. Yeah. You it's, had the profile. which I had the profile. Allowed you to be in the public eye. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, but I'm, I'm great. I'm gr don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm grateful, but I'm not one of those people go, oh, you know, I'm... I've met too many uh, prima donnas in this business. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them come, I've seen them go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Cross is obviously your spiritual home. That's... It is sort of now. Uh, now I'm not so much, darling. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, I when I came down the the uh, couple of weeks ago, and I've got an apartment right on the harbour, and I had a tear in my eye because I, that's what I miss most. The harbour, because mm. I was born on the harbour. I was born in Balmain. Yeah. When's the last time I you played down and those the jetty and all flooded back memories of me fishing and all that. And they're big container wharfs now. You know they're going to have a hard time putting the ashes <laughs> under there when I go. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you're in Balmain? Oh, I was there um, when the last time I was in Balmain was when Prue McSween was writing my book. So you went back to visit some. Yeah, we old went back, and, and it's like everything shrinks. 
Have you ever noticed that when you go back to your childhood? Absolutely. Everything's a lot smaller. <laughs> and I thought, I sort of remember this being larger, probably because I was smaller. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You go home to yes. to visit Marvin. And everything. And the kitchen. Is the kitchen really this tiny? Yeah, I thought, oh, my God, am I, you know, I'm in Hobbitland. <laughs> <laughs> did I really live in that small house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You did. Um, you're back in Sydney to do uh, Trevor Ashley's Mill on Scrooge. Yes. It's not the first time you've done pantomime, though, is it? Uh, you had a big hit at Kinsella's with uh, Cinderella. No, not me. That's Simone. Was it Simone? No, it wasn't Simone. No, it was at the taxi club. They did The Wizard of Oz. Right. No, 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 it wasn't. It was Alice in Wonderland. At the taxi club? At the taxi club. Oh, it was so clever. Right. No, I never did a pantomime before. Weren't you in that production with Ronnie Arnold and... Oh, Cinderella, no, yes, yes. oh, that's sorry. God, you've got a better memory than me. Yeah, Ronnie Arnold played the stepmother. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And Beach uh, was played by... Um, uh, he used to run the Purple Onion. Candy, Miss Candy. No, no, it wasn't Candy. Beatrice, with tall... I forget his name. And um, you you mimed the voices... And, and of, Maggie Kirkpatrick was and, my, the ugly sister and, with me. That's right, and Tony Lamont did voices. Yeah, and Tony, and Tony Lamont and Jenny Little and all them did the voices. Yeah. But um, Maggie Kirk and I were live. Yes. And uh, it was so... Ronnie Arnold was the ugly, ugly stepmother. <laughs> Who was brilliant? Oh, but I, that was torture that show because I had to do all their makeup every night for them. Right. You know to get the cartoon. That was when Lay Girls moved to uh, Oxford Street and was next to the picture theatre in the old Greek building. Now they had the movie house there, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you went at the side and you went downstairs. Lay Girls was downstairs, and I had Carlotta's room upstairs. So did Lay Girls continue for a while after the... Lay Girls the continued for a while and then they moved to... Because um, uh, Sammy Lee died right. and Reg Boom's son took over who was... Oh, anyway, couldn't run a nightclub if you asked me. Uh, but... And took it up to... Uh, no, Eric Dare ended up buying it. Yeah. Buying the Lay Girls yeah. off Terry Boom. And they moved it to Oxford Street. And we did the Opera House. Mm. And then the carousel opened where the old A girls room is. That's where Juanita Nelson got murdered and right. all, all that business happened yeah. at the carousel. Because a lot of people get confused. You know, they're like, I get people, I used to get people ringing me up saying, oh, you must have been there when Juanita... I said, no, I was in Oxford Street, darling. Lay girls had moved, you know. They get confused with, because the carousel was the same sort of show. So, right, right, right. Lay girl show. Yeah. But it was run by a guy called Jimmy Anderson, who was a gangster. And different cast. Different cast, yeah, yeah totally different cast. Yeah, yeah. And we did the opera house, and we worked up there, and then we did the pan pantomime downstairs... And then Lay Girls continued a bit, and then all of a sudden, after all that business with Juanita Nelson and all that, they all uh, left, uh, Lay Girls went back to the cross. Right. A time when um, you could uh, really say anything you wanted to in the, uh, the vein of comedy without well, being, being penalised. It's, it's sad that political correct... I'm, I'm not a great believer in political correction. I think it's ruined... Um, 
us Australians, we could laugh at one another. Yeah, yeah. We it's never a self-deprecating self humour yeah, too. It yeah. was, you know, and I think it's... That's one thing I, I love being an Australian because we have that sense of... A lot of countries don't have it. We have that, we have that sense of humour where we can just take the mickey out of one another yeah. and uh, we never got offended. Yeah, yeah. You know, but then it all sort of turned around... And, oh, God, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. It's ruined our country. Hmm. We've lost the ability to laugh at ourselves. Exactly right. Yeah. And laughter and this is, is the why, best medicine, isn't and it? And this is why I love doing this show. Yeah, yeah. Because the humour in it is just... It's... Uh, Trevor's been very clever by bringing things up that, you know, people go, oh, but then they wet themselves laughing because it's true. Yeah. You know you've really hit the mark. Uh, landed perfectly when you hear that audible gasp. That's right. That's right. That's right. But then all of a sudden they burst out laughing yeah. because, and I, I bet some of them look around to see if someone else is going to laugh. Yes. But that, it's been oh, it's so fun. I could do this show for a year. And I don't know whether my feet would handle it going up and down the steps <laughs> and that all the time. Carla, how do you like to chill away from the spotlight? I paint. Yeah. When COVID came in, I always painted. I used to, like one of my very first jobs, I used to work in the art department at David Jones and Mark Foy's. Beautiful Mark Foy's. And I used to paint all the backdrops. I've always been a good, I was, I was born... Artistic. I was born in... Visual suppose, arts. Yeah, yeah, I could draw. Yeah. And... Um, then I, I used to just paint and I'd do... Uncle May used to say, oh, Carol, you should do an exhibition and blah, blah, blah. But I do... I'll get like... I'll do Chinese paintings. I'm not one stylist. I do cartoons. I do landscapes. I do still lifes, which I'm not too good at. No. I have a friend that's excellent at that. But I'll try anything because I'll get bored with doing one thing. So anyway, when COVID happened, I was about to start a tour around Australia with... Um, I started singing live. and um, With Michael Griffiths. With Michael band, Griffiths, yeah. who's just been a saint for me. And um, we started a tour and we did the first one in Tasmania, all these festivals because all these festivals started, you know, the Adelaide Festival, and I did them quite a few years. But um, we were do during about the third year after doing it, we were in Tasmania and COVID hit, and got to the airport and they said, the tour's cancelled. So all the lockdowns started. And I came back, and then, of course, I couldn't get any money from the government because... I was over the age, you know, I was getting a part pension. And um, I thought, oh, well, I've started painting. And I started putting them up on Facebook. Yeah. And everyone was going, oh. But I was doing, I was doing like, I did a lot of the taxi club with yeah, the yeah. drag queens drunk at the... A lot of portraits. Yeah, portraits yeah, yeah, and yeah. portraits Beautiful. of queens and things. Yeah. And I did a great portrait of Jeannie Little. Yeah. And I, and, um, Everyone started, and then I did somebody's dogs and cats, and then people were wanting to buy them. Yeah. So did that come as a surprise? It did. Yeah. So Dominic from the Wilkes Gallery in 
Paddington. Um, he said, let's have an exhibition. He said, Carol, they're, they're talking about your paintings. So I went down and, uh, and of course, Cove was, I couldn't get down there, but um, um, Craig Bennett from Studio 10, I was doing Studio 10 at the time, he opened it up for me. Uh, for some reason, I couldn't get down for it, for the opening anyway. Next minute, I get a phone call say, there's red dots on everything. Everyone's buying them. But what what better person to capture that that period of time and those performers and somebody who was there and knows them so well? Yeah, I think well, that I, added I, to well, the look, wonderful. Let's put it this way: I think I, I hit the jackpot with it. You know what I mean? With yeah. the whether the novelty lasts because I've got another one coming up for the world. Um, world Prime in, in February. There's an yeah, exhibition. Yeah, in February. Isn't yes, yeah. it's, it's the first week. Uh, I think it's the 14th, I'm not sure. It's the first week in February. I'm sure the And I had to do 41 paintings. Right. And I've sent them, they're all d down at the gallery. And there's two other artists, so the whole gallery will be full with two other artists plus myself. And I'm flying back down for that one. Do you have a theme Hopefully. to those 41? No, I've done no. all mixtures again. Right. I've done a lot of oriental ones, which I've sold one already. It's got a red dot on it already and a couple of pets and I've done a cartoon ones and I've done oriental ones where I've included fabric and that in it. So it's it's all different. Yeah. It's all different stuff. It's not one style. Bring on those red dots. Yes, let's hope so, <laughs> darling. <laughs> you like to cook too, don't you? I love to cook. Yeah. I love to cook. I love to experiment and cook. I think I I was in a cab the other day and I said to this Chinese driver, I said, I cook wonton soup better than Chinese. <laughs> he laughed. He said, how do you do it? And when I told him, he said, oh, I'm coming to your place for lunch. <laughs> and I do. Uh, touring with, with Michael Griffiths and um, singing in your own voice, was that daunting when you first... It Stone. was very daunting, darling. Yeah. But you know, I'm not a Shirley Bassey. You know, I'm not. Yeah. A, but I get a tune across, yeah. and um, you know, and I pick songs that suit what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, it, it involves part of my dialogue and all that. You know, and of course, my theme song, "I'm Still Here." Yeah. Well, I read they love that because I, I just talk about my life. And no, you, you personalise it, you change the lyrics to... Yeah, yeah, you know, well, I, you know, it starts off. Growing up as Ricky from Balmain, growing up different caused me to pain. Other kids labelled me queer, but I'm still here. You know, it's that sort of... Yeah. Were you a good student at school? Uh, I was a prefect. Yeah. So I, I loved reading. I still do a lot of reading. I love history books. I only like real stories, though. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Coming from me, living in this fantasy world that yeah, I live yeah, in. Yeah. I love biographies, too. But I just... Yeah, I love biographies. Mm, mm. And I love history. I read, you know... I've been in arguments with people that we've been talking about, you know, uh, Henry VIII's period or, or you know, or the, uh, the Russian period and all that. And I go, no... No, that's wrong. And they go, blah, 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 blah. And they go, oh, we thought you were a showgirl. I said, we're not all that dumb, darling. <laughs> you intimated in, in your song lyric there that you know, the kids called you queer. Did, were you bullied at school? Yes. Yeah. 
And how, how did you... Uh, that builds up a resilience in anybody, I guess. How I did you cope with Balmain, it? I was born in Balmain, darling. I had a good left hook. Oh, great. And I'm sure you still got it. No, I didn't take any... I didn't take any prisoners. Yeah. No, but my stepfather taught me that. Right. He said, nah. And I did. Once I did that, I only did it once, mind you, and the bullying stopped. Yeah. It was only one guy that used to bully me. Right. And I think deep down years later, I think he fancied me. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's usually the case. Absolutely. Some sort of self-loathing or... Well, if someone's bullying someone... If someone's bullying someone that's, uh, you know, a a bit like me, or, you know, in those days they used to call us pansies, I'm sorry, they... Years later I realised they're the ones that wanted to go to bed with you. Yeah. Yeah. But it was held back in their... I've always said that, and I proved it later anyway. So, so you're coming out and um, and working at Lay Girls. That that's a time when homosexuality was illegal, and you could be arrested for. Well, it was. I mean, we used to have, we used to have to go to we used to have to go to um, worked in boys' clothes. That's what the ridiculous part about it was, and yet you could have all your stage makeup on, right? All that makeup on, but you still had to have boys' clothes on. But there wasn't any written law, and when that stopped was when I got arrested one night in the street, and I said, what's the charge? He said, offensive behaviour. And he said, you're dressed as a woman. I said, well, you've got a wig and a robe on. What's the difference? To the judge. Yep. (laughs) And I met that judge, and he had a young boyfriend, and he said, I always remember that, Carlotta. I laughed and laughed and laughed, because he came down with the thing. And I could see he was chuckling. He said, case dismissed. <laughs> the cops were furious. <laughs> Fantastic. And then we all just went to work in drag. Your um, artistic expression as a kid, how did you feed that? Did you go off to the movies and uh, were you seeing musicals? Oh, I saw lots of musicals and that, darling. Yeah. But it was always... Uh, I had a very... Gla- see, I was brought up by two mothers. I was brought up with a really strict mum and I thought I had brothers and sisters. Uh, which were her children. Right. And this glamorous woman used to always come once a month or something. And I never found out till I was 12 that she was my actual birth mother. Right. And then she wouldn't let my stepmother uh, adopt me because the government started paying the women who had single children money. Right. And she had was having that income, so one day yeah. I do. yeah. And she took me away from her when I was 12. Which one taught you song and dance? Uh, Well, I always did that from school. Song and dance routines? Yeah. Yeah, I was a tap dancer. I learned tap dancing at the age of five. Right. (laughs) Used to go to these dance classes in Balmain Town Hall. Um, in the Estedfords or anything like that? No, no, none of that, darling. No, no, no. No, it was just a... It was a period I went through. It wasn't very long. Um, and apart from that, no. I was... Uh, I left school at 15. Had my first job. Uh, just turned 16. David Jones. And then I was in with the Lay Girls mob. Or, or the Lee Gordon mob. 
doing the ranch lost German VRs and the uh, jewel box at 17. What, what was the introduction there? Had you met somebody at David Jones who said, I know a Oh, darling, or... I did. the first gay people I ever met were at David Jones. I didn't know what gay was. Right, right. You know, I met them at Mark Foy's and David Jones. Yeah. You know, they had more mince than a hamburger. You know, I thought, I can't walk around like that like at, at home. You know, I mean, I was an older boy. I was the only older boy that ever got sacked, I think. Right. Because I wouldn't kiss the dirty statues. Right. They had dust all over them. <laughs> It was the Virgo in me. Wipe it down. No, I was just going to wipe the bloody thing down. Get over it. <laughs> so, so what about a drag show? Do you remember the first drag show you saw? Um, us. Right, so, so at Lego. Oh, no, no, no. I saw the Kiwis. That was a, a touring group, Yeah, wasn't it? that was a touring group. Yeah. And they all took their wigs off at the end, but I was about four. My mother took me. I was about... 14, at the old Palladium. Yeah, yeah they were touring. That was about, uh, That's the first men I saw dressed as women. Yeah. Was there a little light bulb that went off, or did you feel something shift in you? Or? Darling, it's, darling, I'm nearly 80. I can't remember that far back. What do you think <laughs> I am, a fucking genius? <laughs> you were telling me all about Henry VIII. Yeah, I, thought I you know, might have, but might that's, that's written history. <laughs> So who were some of the performers at the time that, that you were learning from? Um, I think it was because when I met entertainers, I used to study uh, Shirley Bassey, because I started to, I was a hairdresser, I became a hairdresser as well. Um, God, I've done everything. Um, and I was doing, I did some weeks for Shirley Bassey, Carmen McRae, um, Dusty Springfield, and I used to watch their performances. Right. And so actually watching female performances. I studied performance, them. Yeah. No, I studied them very much. And I studied timing from stand-up comics like um, Norman Erskine and that at the Latin Quarter. Yeah. And um, what was his name? He used to do American. He used to speak on the telephone. Um, he came out here. Oh, God, he was a funny. He was a kinky bastard too. Um, Stan, Stan Freeberg? No, no. Um, oh, he was famous for doing this telephone thing. Um, but, because uh, Sammy Lee would bring a lot of American entertainers out. I met her as a kid and all that, you know. But, but um, after a while, you don't get that impressed with them, believe you me, mm. when you get to know them personally. Um, some of them I loved. I mean, the best entertainer I ever worked with, and I was doing I was doing showgirl roles at Checkers. I used to walk through with all the showgirls. I'd come from the Dennis Wongman had me coming down the stairs because I had the tits. I was topless and the, the, the beautiful big feather headdresses like in Vegas. Yeah. I parade on the stage. And I worked. He had Bobby V work with me, and I did the Barbarella strip. And he had Bobby V from America, who was a rock and roll singer. And he came back and he said, I'm not working with a fucking faggot. And Samuel and Dennis Wong said, well, you better go back to America. He said, they didn't come to see you. They've come to see Carlotta. Yeah. What a hard thing to say. Yeah, and then Charney, they brought in Charney Wallace yeah. from Oliver, who did the movie. Yeah. Oh, my God, what an entertainer. Well, she really... Unbelievable. But she never did much entertaining. Well, no. not here. Yeah. Uh, maybe in England and all that. 
And, oh, God, she just fascinated me. She was just wonderful. Shani Wallace. Yeah, who played Nancy in all of the movie. Yeah, yeah. What a voice. Great. What about some of the personalities that existed around Lay Girls? I'm thinking of people like Sheila Cruz. There was Sheila Cruz. was She she was your choreographer, wasn't she? They'll never make another Sheila Cruz. (laughs) I mean, even though What's-Her-Name did it well in my movie, when they made my movie, the ABC. Caroline O'Connor. And Carla kind of played it quite well. But not as... as, I don't think it could replicate um, Sheila Cruz. She was just a character on her own. Because she was a Tivoli showgirl, originally. Her and her husband, the Whites. They were famous dance couple like Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. Manny Kelly told me about a, a dance step, uh, Dry Your Nails. Yes. Yeah. Well, she did the first, she did that thing. I saw it in Kingsland in Hong Kong when I went to Hong Kong years later. And um, she did this thing where they had a motor car on stage and the hood opened and all the girls were dressed as spark plugs and they went up and down, <laughs> up and down, up and down. Then they came out from behind the car and the lights went out and they had flint on the bottom of their tap shoes and all the sparks were going. That's brilliant. She was so clever, Sheila. Yeah. We called her the prop queen. She had, though, I laugh, we used to do sketches, live sketches in the middle of the show at Lay Girls and she'd have a lover prop and then there'd be a waiter with sandwiches but instead of making plastic sandwiches, she had real ones and, and you know, one day we came out and was the rats had got into oh. it. You know? <laughs> And she and she, we did a thing. Uh, we did a, a, a country and western thing, and uh, how down thing. And she she bought in real hail sta- haystacks. And Sammy came back saying, "What the fucking hell are these haystacks?" In? And they had chicken shit all through them. Oh. <laughs> You've got no idea. She loved a prop. You get hay fever. Yeah, no, she loved it. You were doing all this on a tiny stage too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. quite. Yeah, but it was sort of compact and look, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful memory period. It's it's a shame it wasn't all. There was quite a bit of footage of it, but not not as much as there should have been. Yeah, because we didn't have the devices. There was no technology. To, no, no to technology it. to cover it in those days. I'm lucky I've got quite a bit of footage of it, which yeah. I've used, and which they when uh, they. The ABC finally made my, which was supposed to be a mini series, but ended up being a movie because Tony Abbott got back into government and cut the ABC funding. And so it got concertinaed and they finished it in the 80s. Yes, because there's so much to your story that could have been explored yeah, over But it still a, won a three ACCA awards. Yeah. yeah. Which was, I was thrilled. Did you have a say in the casting of, of Jessica? I got Jessica, but I got a backlash. That's when all these um, trans things started. Right. And they had a go at me for using... I said, well, find me a trans that looked like me in those days. Yeah. She looked like me. Yes. I said, unfortunately, I'm not being vain. I said it on television. Yeah. But we were a different race of entertainers. Most of my kids wanted to have sex change. We all had tits. Yeah. They don't have that today. They're female impersonators. Yeah. They don't need to do it today. Yeah. That's our. That was our only security of being gay in those days. Otherwise, you had to be stay in the closet. Mm. 
Did you ever think you'd see people like Courtney Act in the mainstream? I adore Courtney Act. Yeah, but on television, on panel shows and hosting things. She worked in my show. Yeah. When she first started out. Yeah. Yeah. She'll tell you herself. Well, Simone and I were always at her saying, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, we give her tips here and there. She came and saw the show the other night. Right. She was thrilled. And uh, now she's a great talent. Did you use the term uh, mime or lip sync with your, with your songs? Lay I Girls was lip sync. Lip sync. They wouldn't let, let us sing live. Right. right. Holly Brown sang quite well. She went to America and started... She left Lake Girls. I wish I'd have done it earlier, but unfortunately I didn't. I didn't start doing it till, what, 15 years ago. Tell me about lip syncing. You write out the lyrics, I suppose, and learn the lyrics of no, the song. No, no, no. We all got different methods of learning it, darling. Right. I'd learn it by uh, having, um, playing it all the time. Yeah. All on headphones, yeah. You know. That's how I learned it. I never wrote it down. No, no they just... Um, and learning to breathe as you're... No, my first acting period was number 96 and I, that, that freaked the crap out of me because I wasn't... I, I think I could have done a few more movie roles but I did, I wouldn't have been any good. It's, I'm flat out learning scripts because I tend to ad-lib. <laughs> I can't help myself. You're keeping it... Um Spontaneous. Yeah, well, you know, it's... Who did you play in number 96? I played Arnold Feather's girlfriend. I was the first trans in the world to be in a soap opera. Right. Yes. Andrew McCarty found that out. You've done a few firsts. Oh, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I always say sometimes in my show, I've been around since they built the Egyptian tombs. (laughs) I was the floor show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cleopatra followed I can see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you open a show, whether it was Lay Girls or, you know, maybe Priscilla earlier in the year or this one, Milan Scrooge, your shows with Michael Griffiths, do you have a, a routine or a... Um, yeah, I mean, well, you know, we rehearse. Yeah. And, but then I'll come up with an idea of what I want to do and how I do it. Sometimes I use film footage. Sometimes, you know, I tell a story or something or other. Um, the last show I did was, I called it I'm Not Dead Yet, Darlings. Mm. And I had this wig on, done more of a, an old lady look and pearls around my neck and that was the poster. And I said, not dead yet, darlings. And, and um, I just, um, most of my stories based on my storylines of my life. Are you superstitious in the theatre when you're working? No, I don't believe in superstition. Huh. I don't. I think that's a load of crap. Whatever fate's going to give you, it's going to give you, darling. Yeah. You you're, know. you're known for your glamorous and, and beautiful costumes. Yeah. Are you handy with the the sewing machine? Do you make I all made of those? All those. Yeah. Oh my God, they're beautiful. The detail. No, mate. I've always designed. I've had dressmakers make for me for years too, but I come up with the ideas myself. And that was all learned at, at Lay Girls in those initial yeah, years? Yeah, it's just for me, looking at books and studying books and studying drawing uh, Vegas shows and all that, and you just come up with your own idea. 
Look, I think I've just I think I'm fortunate enough to be gifted with artistic talents. Yeah. Whether you're cooking or painting. No, without or being modest, you know, yeah. you're either got it or you do it. And then um, and another thing is, I'm not a lazy person. You know, I taught myself to cook because I had to cook. Yeah. Because, you know, when I first left home, it wasn't cheap, you know, for a young kid. And, you know, I had to learn. I couldn't afford to go out to restaurants and that. Yeah. So I had to learn to cook. What's your, what's your favourite dish? Actually, it's a dish that Simone Troik taught me, Bustichu. It's a Greek dish. It's a pasta layer dish. I just adore it. Yeah. And um, I, do, I do do wonton soups very well. I'm starting to do a lot of ch Asian stuff at the moment. Yeah. Well, it's light and fresh, isn't it? Yes, it is. But, yeah. uh, but uh, I do do a good baked dinner, an yeah. old-fashioned baked dinner. A good old roast. I do it with dripping. Oh, and that's what the flavour is, isn't it? I remember that. My mum used to pour I'd the... I do it. Darling, we had a week. pot that big yeah. in our house with the, the dripping in it. You know, it was there for 12 months and she'd ladle it out, you know, and do all that. But I tell you what, you do not taste lamb or baked potatoes or pumpkin like it. Yeah, that's the secret, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, they still sell, sell lard, don't they? I guess. Yes, they do, they do. Which, which starts it all off. Yes, that's right. Dripping. I haven't thought of that for ages. Yes, dripping, darling. I remember my dad telling me a story. He came home drunk one night with... Well, uh, during the war, they had dripping some sandwiches. Well, though. this is right. And, and uh, my aunt, great yes. aunt, used to sort of make them sandwiches. That's <laughs> right. Said they were just dripping sandwiches. Yeah. Because <laughs> it had all the flavour of the roast in it. That's right. You wouldn't know what you're eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't good for the arteries. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get nervous when you're performing? No. No. I get a little bit uh, hesitant with a new thing. I've. I don't. No, I don't. Not really. No. You've done it enough, you know. I just know I've got to go out there and do a good performance. And everyone's on your side. They've come to see you and Which be is transported. Nice. Yeah. It's nice. It really is nice. It's nice. Um, but as I said, you know, I'm. I'd rather praise other people. I, I'm not great. I'm not good at receiving gifts. I'm a giver. Mm. I'm always. Everyone always has a go at me. Oh, why are you giving that away? Why are you giving that? Away? I said, well, I can't take it with me, can I? Mm. True, true. But that's the way I am. Are, are we allowed to say what age you're about to turn? I turn eighty in September. Next you, September. Do you feel eighty? No. I hope I get to mum. Mum was 94 and her sisters and all that. I think there's one sister still alive, 102 or something. So it's in the genes? It's in the genes on the mother's side. I don't know who the father's side is. Right. All I know is he had Nordic blood because I've got that uh, carpal tunnel thing. Not carpal tunnel, but the other neutropon contractor in the hands. And uh, that only comes from Vikings. And it can it jumps generations, and none of it's. I've done my mother's tree. My mother's tree goes back to Lord Byron's brother, because we're Byrons. Right. But there's a little bit of Jamaican in there, darling. Really? Yes, in the 18th century. Yes, right. someone had a little bit of a hanky panky with a Jamaican. <laughs> <laughs> Jamaica? No, that's she my, went to Veronica. That's probably where I got my skinny legs from. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you didn't know much about Dad? Never Dad knew him. Well, Mum, I don't think Mum knew who it was. Right. Okay. She was a party girl, darling. You know, she was a very glamorous, but, you know, she used to dance with all the R&R at the Trocadero during the war. Right. I was born in 43. Right. And when baby. I saw her all her albums and that, you know, there she is with a roll at the front and there's sailors on either side of her. And I went, all oh, right. <laughs> That's where I probably took after I turned into an old mole myself. <laughs> <laughs> a party girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, Carla, it's been lovely to, uh, to chat you, to you over, over this time. People can uh, see you through December, the 1st to the 18th, at the Seymour Centre in, in uh, Trevor yeah, Ashley's Mill come and Scrooge. It. Darling, he, that man's a prodigy. Yeah, yeah. He really is. Who, I mean, Who do you play? I show? play AstraZeneca, the nightclub owner. Right. I play uh, Saturn's mother, <laughs> Trevor's mother. <laughs> oh, I'm saying it this week. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. So a guaranteed belly laugh all round, I'm sure. No, yeah. no, I'm a big fan of his. That's he, why I was thrilled when he asked me to do um, Priscilla. Priscilla. Because yeah. he was I, your director then. No, but I said, I only want to do it if I can play Cheryl. Oh, that was a bonus then to and him, I'm sure. They, the dream sequence was like a dedication to me. It was fabulous. Because, you know, Priscilla's basically based on me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the character of Bernadette. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they've asked me to do that at Mardi Gras this year. What's her name? The other one. Um, had the son. Cindy Pastel. Cindy, yeah. They want us to do it together. They want her to do the 80s and me the 60s or something. That'd be good. Well, there's no sign of slowing yeah, down. That's then. twelve o'clock at night, darling. I said, have oh. you got an alarm clock? You left to have a nap. Yes. Yes. Well, Carlotta, thank you, and um, have a great time with my Mullen's pleasure, Scrooge. darling. Carlotta stars as Astrid Zeneca in Mulan Scrooge from December first at the Seymour Centre in Sydney. In the heyday of King's Cross, there was one place that really put it on the map. A famed club where the bourgeoisie and the bogans would party like it was 1899. That club was the Moulin Beige. And you're invited to the Christmas party of the year. Trevor Ashley stars as Saturn, the one they call the Rough Diamond. As the greatest star of the beige, she and the infamous club owner, Astrid Zeneca, would delight audiences with a heady mix of booze, pills and way too many medleys. But the club is in financial dire straits. Colonial developers want to close it down and build apartment blocks. In a madcap adults-only panto from the sick minds of Trevor Ashley and Phil Scott, come and join the fun in this satirical twist on a beloved Dickensian tale as Saturn is visited by clients past, present and emerging. Expect plenty of youth, booty, free Wi-Fi and laughs. Because we could, could, could. Bookings at SeymourCentre.com There is always someone of great interest to be heard on the Stages podcast and a variety of roles are explored and celebrated. Just like my guest today, Carlotta. Thank you, Carlotta, for your generosity of time and anecdote. Look back through the archives and you'll get access to directors, designers and drag performers, producers, publicists and playwrights, agents and actors, choreographers and casting people, emerging talents and established legends, all available to access on Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about their craft, career and creativity. I'm Peter Ayers. Thanks for listening. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe 
and I'll catch you next time on Stages.